praise God. I want my life to praise Him. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Book of Romans, chapter 1. Sister Don, there's going to be quite a few scriptures tonight. I'm sorry, I forgot to get that to you. But you're pretty quick with that computer, so I think we'll be, we'll be just fine. Amen. Thank you for coming out on a Wednesday night. Thank you for being faithful on Wednesday evenings and come to hear the word of the Lord. One of my most favorite times is Wednesday nights. I want to encourage you for the next few Wednesday nights in a row as I will do our Sunday crowd as well. Encourage you to, to be sure and make the next four or five Wednesday nights as we continue with what we're going to begin here this evening. The word of the Lord says in Romans chapter 1, verse number 12, that is that I may be comforted together. Everybody say, together. That I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul the Apostle says to the church of Rome here that I take comfort in that our faith is Mutual. It is a reciprocal or it we reciprocate back to one another. What we believe and whom we trust in. There is nothing more powerful in the essence of togetherness as when we come together. On the word of God. And we stand strong. On what we know. And the Lord has shown us. To be true. In his word. We as the body of Christ. Must. Speak. The same thing. We must. Speak. The same thing. The word of the Lord teaches that. We're going to be talking about it for the next few Wednesdays. May bleed over into our Sunday services as well. But I'm going to be talking about the basic foundational truths. The beautiful revelations that God has given us as the body of Christ who believes and understands and knows who he is, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said, I take comfort in that. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. God, I thank you for these wonderful people who have made their way out to the house of the Lord tonight. I ask that you open up the word of God to us, speak to our hearts, and our minds solidify us, 
Lord, make us one. Bring us together in this incredible truth, this awesome, powerful word of God that we go forward, Lord, speaking in oneness of the word. We ask it in the wonderful, powerful, mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody say, Amen. Turn to someone and just tell them, together in faith. Together in faith. Lord bless you. You may be seated. You will find that any time there is a movement of force in the earth that is making an impact, that is changing the lives of a large group of people, whether it is for good or for bad. You will find that behind that force is a united people who have come together, who are marching in unison in what they believe and trust in. They find strength in one another. The Bible tells us that two is better than one. When we can lock arms, when we can walk together in truth, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will find an unprecedented strength that no matter what comes against us, we will be able to stand. The Word of God says that if we unite, we will be strong. If we divide, we will fall. A group of people came up to the Lord and said to him, you cast out devils by the power of Beelzebub. The Lord must have chuckled on the inside. I think what he was really trying to say is this. If hell was not united, if they were not one in their force, they would have never lasted all these thousands of years and certainly would not have been able to do the damage that they did to the human race. Jesus said it this way, If a house be divided, it will fall. I am not casting out devils by the power of Satan. Hell is not divided. In fact, it's like he's trying to say to the church, You can take a lesson from hell. And look at their unity, their force going forward to destroy the things of God. If the church would arise in the same unity that hell goes forth with. Oh, what a power and what a force we would be upon this planet. I believe that the Lord wants you and I to come together. But we cannot unite if we are not walking in the same steps of belief 
and trust and doctrine with understanding of the word of God. We must walk in unison in the love and passion and, and the glory of the Lord in Savior. This word mutual means to reciprocate, to interchange. It means each acting in return or in correspondence to the other. To give and to receive. Brother Sat mentioned it earlier in the pulpit tonight when he talked about we need one another. Find a brother, a sister, link up, join together. I want to tell you, I know I can say this because it just happens every time. When you link up with a brother or a sister and you begin to pray about something, there is a strength that comes. There is a boldness that comes. Oh, yes, it does. There's something about it when you know you're standing with someone else in faith. When someone has joined up to you to believe, to trust, to go forward in faith. It's why the Lord sent them out two by twos. He understood that if a man can walk with a man, a woman can walk with a woman, there is a boldness that exists, a comfort, a strength, a security. Oh, that rises up, gives us the strength to maybe speak out and say something that we would be intimidated to do without the other. I believe that God is calling the church to unite. To unite in every area of the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 10. Now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That ye all speak the same thing. What makes the church powerful in this world is that when we open our mouths, no matter who we are or where we are, we are the body. We are those called by the name Jesus. And we will speak the same thing. It creates a power and a force. Look what Paul says, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye are perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Let me tell you tonight that the only two things that can accomplish that in the church is the word of God which never falters and never fails and the spirit of God to lead us into all truth. 
That is the problem with Christianity today. Who professes the Holy Ghost is not for us. The Spirit of God is not necessary. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you cannot be one in the body without the one Spirit governing everyone in the body. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, we walked into this building tonight. We were separated in mind, separated in spirit, separated in purpose. What happened to you today didn't happen to me. But what happened to me didn't happen to you. We all have our own set of problems, our own set of circumstances, difficulties and dilemmas, situations we're trying to work out and work through. We walk through them doors. We are divided. We are separated. We are scattered. But the moment, the moment the Holy Ghost begins to move, every mind in this building begins to draw together. Everybody begins to focus. And one of the greatest miracles of the Holy Ghost is how he brings the body together. One mind and one accord we begin to unite in the spirit and a power and a force arises up in our midst and there we as the church as the body of Christ can take on any enemy push our way through any circumstance or situation because we have become one Paul said, let there be no division amongst you. Let you be perfectly united together. Only the Spirit of God can accomplish that. Only the unadulterated preaching of the Word of God can get that done when the preacher stands behind this pulpit and begins to preach the word and preaches it as it is not to tickle ears not to be popular not to win over somebody's favor not to fear the faces of men but the face of God and to preach that word it'll get in your heart it'll get in your mind revelation will come through the spirit and God will unite the body and we will go forth as a united force in this world and we are victorious because we are one stay with me Philippians chapter 1 verse number 27 Oh, I can feel the power of God resting on this tonight. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. We could stop right there and preach a year. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. What about that ye stand fast? 
in one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. With one mind. Everyone say one mind. Striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul preaching to the church of Philadelphia. One mind, one spirit, he said. One mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. We as a body need to know what we believe. We need to understand what this truth is. Because, friend, we are entering into a generation. We are entering into a time that happy church isn't going to get the job done just fellowshipping coming together and being a, a socialite it's not going to save you your marriage, your children or your life we are entering into a generation that if the truth is not buried in your heart you will be destroyed but friend nothing can defeat truth when truth is in you and you know it is truth and truth cometh by the spirit of God that leads us into that truth we will stand in these last days we will be victorious we will be a church that shines in darkness and you say amen Ephesians 4 and 4. Everybody say, there is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called into one hope. When I say one, you repeat. That's the trick. There is one body. There is one spirit. Even as you are called into one hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. God have mercy. There's only one. Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Somebody shout one. Titus 1 and 4 says, Paul says, that here he says, to Titus, my own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That word common there means the faith that is shared by all. It's not a diversity of faiths and a diversity of beliefs. And, well, that's how you see it. And that's how you see it. My God, that's a bunch of hogwash. The Bible says the word of God is of no private interpretation. I'm telling you, it means just what it says. Thy shall one. 
God's way in Jude 1 and 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. In other words, the salvation that is the same for everybody. There's not one salvation that works for you over here and another one that works over here and another one over here. Well, that's how you believe it. And that's how you're going to be saved. That's how you're going to be saved. Calvary is more serious than that. Calvary has brought about the one and only plan of salvation. And in the church when this thing began, it was the common salvation. It was the same. It was known and shared by all. Jude goes on to say, It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We have got to come together. We have got to know what we believe. And we must know without a doubt. It is in the word of God so that nothing can shake us. I had someone mention to me not too long ago. They said, Pastor, it doesn't do any good to borrow your notes. I said, why? He said, it's just scripture. I said, well, that's the best notes I can think of. If I'm going to preach, I want to preach from the best note writer on the planet. He said, but yeah, you're supposed to write all that stuff in between. All that stuff you said over the pulpit. I said, what I say over the pulpit, I hope it's the Lord's business. I, I learned a long time ago, I write my stuff in there. It gets messed up really fast. But if I can just get his word and read from his word and let the spirit express. Everybody say one body. I want to get this into us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 16 and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, that he might what? Reconcile both unto God into one body. The cross has only produced one body. Body. And if you want to know what that body is, you better go back to the beginning in this book. Forget about religion. Forget about the diversities of faiths and beliefs. You better lay all that aside and go back into this book and find out what the cross produced. Because my Bible says it produced one body and it reconciled us to God. Paul said in Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 12, he said, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. He goes on, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. 
everybody, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. Don't give me this mess that you don't need the spirit of God today, that all you got to do is believe. I'm telling you, when you believe, Jesus Christ said that if you're a believer, I believe it was John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39, he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which had not yet been given. Listen, somebody, it is the Spirit of God that baptizes us into this one body when God comes back he's coming back for his body when God returns he's coming back for those who have been baptized into this body by one spirit I say one body Say one spirit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 18. For through him, <laughs> for through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if he receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Listen, Paul said, there's one spirit, there's one gospel, there's one Jesus, there's one message, and that one spirit baptizes us into that one body. Aren't you glad you're in the truth? Come on. You ought to be thankful there's still preachers left today who are willing to preach this truth no matter who it angers or offends. The beauty about preaching truth is it never offends the hungry. It only offends the self-righteous religious people. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Everybody say, if. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I'm not getting on this tonight, but they try to separate God and Jesus and make them two deities up there. There's only one spirit. 
We already know that. The Bible told us one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. And Paul says here, he interchanges God and Christ because, because, well, he knows they are the one and the same. Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3 and 16. We'll talk on that another Wednesday. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Everybody say, one body. Say one spirit. And that one spirit baptizes you into that one body. You can't get in that body without that spirit. You're none of his. I'm so glad that one day in my life, somebody loved me enough. To not give a flip whether they hurt my feelings or not. And just came right in my face and told me, you are lost without God's spirit. You are none of his without the Holy Ghost. I beg your pardon, blankety blank, blank, blank. That's how I talked. I confessed God when I was a kid, blankety-blank-blank, and I blankety-blank-blank sure am blankety-blank saved. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Y'all had the same blanks before God found you. They wouldn't give up. Lord bless her, my sister, Lynette, she wouldn't give up. I remember I was up in the attic one time putting in what we called back then an old attic fan that sucked air through the windows. And uh, putting that in for my mom, and I was up in there, and I heard her come in the house and start talking to my mom. I got so mad. I remember I, I even got mad. I hit my hand with the hammer. I started cussing in the attic. I cussed all the way down those steps, all the way in the living room. I cussed her all the way out of the house and cussed her all the way out of my yard. And I said, don't you ever come back. We're saved, and we don't need your blankety blank religion. I honestly believe I was saved because I've been told that all my life. And God is so good. He is so merciful because he knew way down inside this old boy wanted him. One day we were studying the word of the Lord. I don't mean to get off on all of this, my Lord. It's almost 8 o'clock and we were studying the word of the Lord and God revealed some things to us. And oh, the day that I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I had been told all my life you couldn't have it. I've been told all my life you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. I've been told all my life by these religious people, all of this junk, when the whole time the one spirit that could baptize me into the one body was re for me trying to get a hold of me and one day I lifted up my hands and out of my innermost being came a language I never learned as God filled me with his power and with his glory and that one spirit baptized me into that one body you believe that clap your hands to the Lord I'm not going to hold us much longer. I'm just barely touching these subjects. Everybody say, one body, one spirit, 
And Paul said, one Lord. I was talking to my wife today, and um, she brought up something about Mary and about, you know, praying to her. And not that she wanted to pray to her, but, uh, you know, people praying. And she had said something. I said, well, you, you know, I think it was a couple of popes ago. I don't think it was the last, might have been the one before. I can't really remember, but it was just recently where they actually officially, officially deified her. And she was always called the mother of God. But, I mean, this guy said she's one of the persons in the Godhead. You know, once you believe in more than one, you can have as many as you want. It just don't stop. There's just no ending. There's either one or there's a hundred trillion. The very definition of time, space, and eternity and God defines one of two things. There's either one or there's an innumerable amount of gods. Take your choice. The word proclaims there's only one. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Hear, O Israel. What do you mean by that? Pastor, what I mean by that is because this is eternity. If God can divide once, God can divide a trillion times. And so since there has never been a beginning, there has never been a beginning. You do understand that, right? Well, no, you don't because none of us can. We can't quite wrap our heads around that. But there never has been a beginning. Wherever the beginning was, something was before that. And there will never be an ending. Wherever the end is, you know, this curtain is the end. Something back there. I'm just kidding. Something back there, even if it's nothing. There is no ending. And so if God can divide at any moment in, in, in the annals of history of, of, of time, which really doesn't exist except for us, then there's no limit to how many times he can divide. And so there is either just one God or there is an innumerable amount of gods. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Everybody say one Lord. Well, yeah, but we believe that. We just believe, you know, uh, they're, they're one, but, you know, there's, there's God the Father and and, and I'm, I, don't, I don't want to stay on this because I'm not teaching on this tonight. And God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, the first problem we run into is that the statements, God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, does not exist in any version of any translation of the Bible. Any of them. They are man-made terms to help them carnally understand the relationship between Christ and the Father. And the reason why I say carnally is because they gave up on the one spirit that can baptize you into the one body and lead you into the one truth a long time ago. They gave up on that centuries and centuries ago. And so they started trying to figure out this relationship between the Spirit and the Father and the Son. And they doing all this stuff up in their brain carnally. And so how else can you, what other con con conclusion can you possibly come to but three gods? You must 
Because the Bible tells us the Spirit is God. And the Bible tells us the Son is God. And the Bible tells us the Father is God. And so the moment you start trying to figure this thing out with your brain, you're going to end up with three. But oh, if the one spirit gets a hold of you and brings revelation, then you will understand that Christ was not God the Son. He was the Son of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. As God, he divided bread and thousands ate. But as man, he was hungry. As God, he stood on the bow of the boat and said, peace be still. But as man, he rocked in the boat. Come on, somebody. It wasn't two gods. It was God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Deuteronomy 4.35, I'm getting hung up here. Unto thee it was shewed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none Else beside him. Isaiah put it this way, 44 and 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and the Redeemer of the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God, and who, as I shall call, and shall declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people, and the things that are coming, and shall come, and let them show unto them fear ye not neither be afraid nor have not I told thee from that time and have declared it yea even my witness is there a God beside me yea there is no God I know not any everybody say one spirit shout it out one body one God. Clap your hands to the Lord and give God praise. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8 and 4, As concerning therefore the eating of the things that are offered, the sacrifice of the idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be Though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in the earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but unto us there is but one God. This God, the Father, of whom are all things, we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him, Paul the Apostle, speaking of the flesh and Calvary. People read that and say, see two gods. Not at all. But unto us there is but one God. I think that settles it. So whoever Jesus is, if he's not God, he's not a God. Because there's only one. 
But unto us there is but one God. This God, who is this God? He's the Father. The Spirit. There's only one. Of whom are all things. He's the creator of all things. And we in him, he breathed in us. And only one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. Colossians tells us through him, he created all things. And we by him. Through Calvary. The man Christ Jesus. Everybody say one God. Say one spirit. One body. One God. One baptism. There's only one. There's not multiplicity baptisms. I think I'm finishing here. First Peter 3 and 21 the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. You mean baptism is a part of salvation? Absolutely. The religious world will tell you different. They'll say, well, well, that's a work. No, it's not. It's an obedience. None of us can earn our way into God, his presence, his power, his glory, or heaven. You can't go out and do enough good deeds to get to heaven. But don't obey his word and find out if you make it. Well, obeying the word of God is a work, isn't it? It's something you have to do. If you have to do it, it's a work. That means repentance is a work. So you're telling me you can be saved without repentance? Repent lest you, lest you perish. I think, I think it's what the Bible says. Except ye repent, you shall likewise perish. Repentance is a work. Do you know that believing is a work? It's something you do. But you can't be saved if you don't believe. You can't be saved without faith. Having faith is a work. It's something you do. But it's not works to prove our worthiness to the king. It's works in obedience to his commands. He said, repent. He said, be baptized. He said, be filled with my spirit. He said, do these things. And because I love him, I love his word, and I want to dwell with him, and I want to be with him, I am going to obey his word. Come on, somebody. Peter said the like figure, even baptism doth also now save us, not to put in the way the filth of the flesh. It's not a bath. But the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is you exemplifying your faith that Jesus Christ lived, died, buried, and resurrected for you. Look at Romans 6 and 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized, what? Into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Now let me ask you a question. If Christ is God separate from the Father, then why did Christ need anybody to resurrect him? Well, there's another place in the Bible where Jesus said, if you lay this body down, I will pick it up. 
Sometimes he spoke as a man. Sometimes he spoke as deity. The Christ that was resurrected out of the ground was the body, the sacrifice that died on the cross. And then Colossians tells us that after he resurrected him up out of the ground, it pleased the Father that the fullness of the Godhead bodily should dwell in him. All that there is of God dwells in Jesus Christ. The only God that you and I will ever see is Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's baptism. He explained that earlier. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That is what Peter was talking about in in the third chapter, verse 21. Baptism puts us into the power of the resurrection. How? By the washing away of your sins. And then in another place, Paul the Apostle says, If this same spirit which dwelled in Christ, and it quickened his body, if it dwells in you, it will quicken your body on that day as well. What puts us into the power of the resurrection? The one spirit and the one baptism. The spirit giving us power and the baptism cleansing us from all sin. Matthew 20, 19, I'm closing with this. I don't know why I actually got on this because I'm going to deal with this again later. Much more detail. Everybody say, one body. I'm teaching on this because we have to know what we believe. The Bible says that if someone comes and asks you about your belief in your God, that you should be ready to give an answer. Matthew 20, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. In the name, everybody say name, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And the entire religious world today uses this method to baptize. And the only reason why they do it is because they have deceived themselves into thinking that these are three separate persons in a Godhead. Nowhere in the word of God was anyone ever baptized that way. So either baptism means nothing. Therefore, Jesus wasted his time being an example when John baptized him for all righteousness sake. Or if baptism does mean something then the disciples must have misunderstood Jesus. Well, that's dangerous since they helped write the book. And if they didn't misunderstand him, they must have disobeyed him. Well, that's horrible. Or Maybe they understood. 
Maybe that's what Luke meant in Luke chapter 24, verses 43 down through 47, when the Bible says Jesus opened the minds of his disciples so that they would understand all scripture. Do you mean they were divine? They were given divine understanding of the word of God? Absolutely. Why? Because when he ascended, they were the ones left to write. They were the ones left to be the example. They were the ones who would fulfill the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or the fulfillment of the commandments of Jesus Christ, the obedience to the commands of God. And the first time anybody was ever baptized in the word of God is in the second chapter of the book of Acts, after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. After Simon Peter preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in verse 37 that the Jews that were gathered in around there were pricked in their hearts. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Because if you don't repent, you're going to perish. I want you to notice something. They said to Peter, what do we need to do? Uh-oh. That's a work. Right? That's an action. They are actually saying, what do I need to personally do in order to be saved? Do you mean you have to do something? There has to be an action. There has to be a work. But I thought, I thought Romans said, it's, we're not saved by works lest we boast and brag on ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. But he's not talking about obedience to God's commandments of how to get into the kingdom of God. He's talking about you being a Pharisee and standing on a corner somewhere and beating your chest and sticking your head up and saying, I fast three times a day and I give up my arms and I'm this and I'm that. And, and I do all of these wonderful works as though you can earn your way. This has nothing to do with that. They said, what, what shall we do? Peter, didn't, Peter looks at them and says, you can't do anything. Just smile. Now that's how ridiculous this teaching is today. And 90% of the religious world teaches it just like this. Just smile. Shake the preacher's hand and sign the card and everything's going to be just fine. Say the sinner's prayer with me. Ah, that's a work. Whatever you do, don't pray. Because if you've ever really prayed, you know it's work. Because when you're done, you are tired. I feel like I worked an eight-hour job digging a ditch, and all I've done was pray. Peter said unto them, what? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. How? In the name of Jesus Christ. He did exactly what Jesus commanded him to do. Go ye therefore all nations, teaching, doing what? Baptizing them in what? The name. The name of the Father. The name of the Son. The name of the Holy Ghost. There's only one name. And that name is the name of the Father. 
Jesus simply means Jehovah has become my salvation. That name is the name of the Son. That shall call his name Jesus. That name is the name of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit shall be sent in my name. There is only one name. Only one name, right? Given on, what is it, how's that verse going? A heaven given among men, wherever he must be saved. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the religious world teaches you it's just a symbolic representation. There's really nothing to it. It doesn't matter if you ever get baptized. My Bible says. The Bible says. Baptism puts you, according to Romans, into the resurrection. We are baptized into Christ. According to the word of God. And here we are baptized for what? For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The promise unto you, your children, to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Why would you remove this from humanity? Why did you do that? Why did you tell them? Baptism's not necessary. Why would you tell them that you don't need the Spirit? Why would you take it out? Quickly, Acts 8, 14, Now when the apostles which were Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, and when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they lay hands and they laid, then laid they their hands on them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Chapter 10, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell upon all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? You can't see it. It's a spirit. God is a spirit. The Bible says no man have ever seen him. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Can we forbid water to those whom we have seen him fill his spirit? This is what he was really saying. Can we refuse the name of the Jew God to the Gentiles. Because that's how you take on his name. You do it in baptism. If he gave them his spirit. Surely. He wants them to have his name. Can any man forbid water? Verse 48. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then pray they him to tarry certain days. Last set of scriptures. Acts chapter 19. Verse 1, it came to pass while Paul was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Watch this. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So you can believe and still not have received. That's right. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, watch this. We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Now look at Paul's answer. What? In English. That's what he said. Modern term. What? 
he said unto them, what do you mean you hadn't heard about the uh, Holy Ghost? Watch this. How were you baptized? <laughs> now, folks, that's powerful. How are you baptized? Because it is literally impossible for you to have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and not have heard about the Holy Ghost. Because his word says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't know, darling, but that, that money will spend just the same. Put it right there. Thank you. Bless you, Bonnie. He said, what do you mean you haven't heard about the Holy Ghost? How were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, there's more for you. You just hadn't heard. There's more for you. Right? He didn't condemn them or curse them. Their walk, their walk and understanding of God was perfectly fine. But he wanted them to know there was more for them. We don't look down on people who haven't heard about the Holy Ghost. We don't cut people down or think that we're more righteous or religious or spiritual or any of those things. In fact, if we had to really be honest with ourselves, I think God gave us the Holy Ghost because we were the worst people on earth. Paul said, John verily baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands to the Lord and give God praise. Come on. Father, we love you. We thank you for truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness tonight, your power. We thank you for revelation. We thank you for understanding. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We praise you. We adore you. Thou art wonderful. Thou art glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. Hallelujah. Now, not everybody's going to receive this. You know, one of the most amazing things I think I've ever witnessed is people will come into our services, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday, and they'll come up to pastor and they'll say, I have never experienced anything like this in my life. It happened just this last Sunday. This is the most powerful move of God I have ever felt. Yeah. And I cannot tell you that just after a few more weeks, pastor will get up, same moves of God, same power, and he'll preach, you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you know what rises up in them? Religion. Not a love for God. When they came to me and said, oh my God, this is so incredible. All at that moment, the only thing that was happening into their life is they were getting a better icing on the cake. A better experience of feeling God. But the moment we got to the meat of the situation, it was, I don't think so. It blows my mind how powerful religion is. How powerful tradition is. That people are willing to ignore God's word and search the scripture to try to find some scripture to prove you wrong. 
And so they'll go into the epistles and they'll find some scriptures and they'll say, see, it says right here, confess with thy mouth and the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Paul wasn't writing that book to sinners. To the church of Rome. Because let me tell you something and me something. If you don't confess Christ every day. Every day. You have to confess him. You have to walk with him every day. If you're going to be saved. Oh no, once saved, always saved. Find that in the book. One verse. Just one. That says you can never, ever be lost after you're saved. That's a whole nother lesson we'll teach on later. I'm getting off. Going off without being prepared with. Scriptures from, from the word of the Lord. Well, no man can pluck you out of the hands, Father. I didn't say a man could take my salvation. No one can take my salvation. The devil can't take my salvation. No one. But I can throw it in the trash. That's the word. The dog that goes back to his vomit. The Bible's full of it. Full of it. Better to have never known him than to know him and to turn from him. Demons have forsaken having loved this present world. Amen. So we're going to be teaching. I'm going to, uh, Matt, wherever you're at, Matthew, Matt, you guys. I'm going to want these Facebook and YouTube and everything because pastor's going to be delivering the word. And I want it more than just this congregation. I want it out there. They're going to. They're going to hear what the Bible says about these subjects, not about what men get up and patty cake this thing for people to hear. I want to tell you one of the greatest atrocities is our mega churches with tens of thousands of people gathered together and a man stands in the pulpit and never one time actually tells them what they need to do to be saved. In fact, they'll stay away from it because they don't want to offend anyone. It's always about, oh, this is a wonderful, everything's glorious, everything's perfect, everything's awesome. Bless, 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 bless. Jesus said, every day you get up, the first thing you pick up is your cross. And if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And they're going to saw you asunder. And they're going to torment you. And they're going to curse you. And they're going to hate you. But you stand strong. I overcame the world. And you'll overcome the world too. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it, he said. We're going to make it. All right, I can go on and on with that. I want us to, uh, I want us to pray and uh, ask God to put this, this word deep in our heart, deep in our spirits deep down on the inside of us that we can receive this truth and walk with it and teach it and preach it in love, in love and in compassion. 
Father, I come before you right now. I thank you for these wonderful people that have made their way to the house of God. Lord, to hear the word of God. I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your power tonight. God, your word, it goes out. It never comes back void. It accomplishes that which it was sent to do. Father, I just pray right now that our hearts would become a fertile ground. Lord, if we had been taught different, God, that we would allow you to speak to us. Lord, that we would be hungry enough to get in the word and study it out, to look at it, to, to search it out. Father, to make sure, because when we open up our mouths, Lord, we need to be speaking truth. And God, I pray, just let this get deep on the inside of us and let it go deep into our hearts and our spirits, Lord, our souls and our minds. And oh God, that we would be ready to give an answer when we are asked. And Lord, that there is one body and we are comforted, Lord God, when we are mutual in the faith, mutual in our beliefs, mutual, God, uh, in the teachings of your word. That it is reciprocated. It is common. It is the same amongst all of us. And we walk in strength. And we go forward as a unit. As the body of Christ that cannot be separated. Bring revelation to us. Bring understanding to us, God. I ask it in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. Say one body. One Lord. One spirit. One baptism. Amen. God bless you. I love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet one another. Love one another. Be kind to one another. Be gentle with one another. Speak well of one another.